Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning is a simple one, Lord, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Amen. There's a famous psychologist named Albert Ellis. He's a grumpy old, well, he was a grumpy old man. I did two postdocs with him, one in North Carolina and one at the Albert Ellis Institute in New York. He has no ego whatsoever. And Albert Ellis was addressing a large group of mental health professionals. And he said, you want to know how to be a success? And everybody sat up to listen because he's at the top of his field. He says, first you have to realize that the whole world is crazy. And everybody went, okay. He said, then you have to realize that all of you are crazy. He said, then you have to go out and fix it. And that's how you become a success. So, the bent spoon. There are some people who are obviously bent. And there are some people who are not so obviously bent. But Jesus says that the first thing we need to do to become a success is to realize that all of us are bent. The synagogue ruler was bent. The people witnessing what happened that day was bent. The only one who was obviously bent was the woman with the infirmity for 18 years. So God said in the Old Testament, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and on that day you shall do no work. The problem is he didn't define work. And the Jewish leaders wanted to make sure that they did not break God's law, so they would sit around and discuss what defines work. Now, in the present day, the rabbis have decided that using electricity, pushing a button to start something, is considered work. So you cannot push the button on the elevator. So if you go to the Jewish hospital in New York City on the Sundays, they have what's called, or Saturday, it's called a Sabbath elevator. You know about this? You're nodding your head. In Israel, it's the same thing. Okay, so here's what happens. It goes to every floor, opens, it closes, so that nobody has to push any buttons. God forbid your relative is on the 21st floor, because you have to wait for every floor. But that's how they, they came up with not doing work. If you live near a synagogue, and we have plenty around here, there are a certain group of people who buy houses around the synagogue so that they can walk back and forth because driving is work. In fact, the rabbis in Jesus' day had 39 different varieties of work that you were not allowed to do. I am not going to list all 39 for you. Can I hear an amen or a thank you? <laughs> they put it into four categories. There was the order of bread, and that had to do with anything that was farming related. You weren't allowed to plant, you weren't allowed to plow, you weren't allowed to winnow, you weren't allowed to reap. And it had to do with cooking and cleaning up after the cooking. Ladies, I'm sorry, but on the Sabbath, you weren't allowed to do dishes. I know that upsets all of you. Now, I used to have a, a client, and she said she couldn't go to bed with dirty dishes in the sink, and she would get mad at her husband because he would say, I'll do the dishes, and his plan was to get up the next morning and do them, and she would get so mad at him, she would do them before she went to bed. Then he'd get up and go, why did you do the dishes? And she said, you promised. Well, ladies, on the Sabbath, you didn't have to do dishes. 
There is an order of garments. You weren't allowed to make or prepare anything, wool or cotton that would, would make a garment. You weren't allowed to wash the garments. And there were even rules about taking off or putting on garments. Uh, uh, to make it accessible, pretty much you had to wear slip-ons because you weren't allowed to tie and untie things because that was work. They had the order of hides. Remember, this is an agrarian society, and you weren't allowed to hunt or prepare the hides, which I know you all wanted to do this morning, but it's not deer season yet. And the last one was the order of construction. You weren't allowed to create or build anything. And that was really where the rabbis were headed, because it says in Genesis that God refrained from the activity he had done for the first six days. And what did he do? He created. So you weren't allowed to write or paint or build. You also were not allowed to demolish, because after demolishing comes the rebuilding. I want you to hear this mindset that the synagogue leader and all the people in the synagogue had been taught since they were little children that you are not allowed to do anything that might be considered work on the Sabbath. And they had a guest preacher that day. And the guest preacher's name was Jesus. Everybody had heard about it, and the synagogue was probably filled to capacity. The good news is it was filled with good Jewish people because that's who lived in Israel at the time. And the great teacher is up front. Now, we don't know if this woman was a regular attender at the synagogue. We just know that she was there that day. And we know something else very interesting. She did not go with the intention of being healed. Just said she was there and she was sitting. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She said, I'm going to get healed, and he wouldn't pay her any mind. And what did she do? She touched the hem of his garment. She was healed instantly, and Jesus said, whoa, who touched me? I felt the power go out of me. This lady had no intentions like that. She had been bent for 18 years, and she was sort of used to it. She had learned how to navigate life. She had learned how to navigate her town, how to get dressed, how to cook, how to shop, all the things she needed to do. She had learned to live with her disability. And the people around here had either learned to live with her disability as well, or she had become compartmentalized into that we don't really see you category. They had got comfortable ignoring her, and she had gotten comfortable doing what she needed to do in her own way. And this bent woman in church is seen by Jesus. And he saw her, he called her, he spoke to her, he touched her, and he healed her. Now, that's a sermon in itself, right? I could wrap it up right there. I could say, Jesus is calling you, Jesus sees you, Jesus calls you, Jesus is speaking to you. Jesus wants to touch you, and he wants to heal you. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that the more I think about this passage, it's not about the bent woman. She came with an open heart. She received a blessing from God, and she went home praising God. She got the message. Who didn't get the message? The ruler of the synagogue. Now, I want you to think about this, because this might hit too close 
to home for me. Because in essence, I'm the rabbi of the synagogue. And I, I like things to be decent and in order. In fact, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians. He says, let all things in worship be done decently and in order. I spend a considerable amount of time trying to make sure that the PowerPoint works so that we can move from song to song, activity to activity, and that worship has a flow. And I would be annoyed if somebody came in and interrupted the flow of all of my hard work. And I, I think that some of you would be upset because we pay the pastor to make sure things work, and now they're not working. Think about that in the context of this story. Right? I've got a guest speaker. I've got more people in my synagogue than I've ever had. And right in the middle of it, this happened. This is not planned. It's not in the bulletin. It's not in the PowerPoint. Nobody knew this was going to happen. And now you're interrupting the flow of the service that I have worked for years to make happen. And everybody does a collective gasp. <gasps> But he's not allowed to yell at Jesus because Jesus is the guest speaker. So what's he do? He looks at the congregation, maybe over the top of his glasses like an angry professor, and he says, there are six days in the week for you to get healed. Don't do it on Sunday or Sabbath. That's work. And Jesus reminds him that people in need, animals in need, anybody in need, should be cared for on the Sabbath. And it's interesting because the commentaries really argue over the translation of the word. One says that the people in the synagogue were humiliated. One says they were embarrassed. One says they were upset. And I'm going to go with D, all of the above. Their hearts dropped. Our guest speaker just sort of smacked our wrists in a big way. Why? Because we're all bent out of shape. And we all need to be called. We all need to be touched. We all need to be healed. And some of us don't even know. Reminds me of an old story of, of a man who was walking in the forest. And he found a little baby bird. And he didn't know what kind of baby bird was. But he knew it was a baby bird. He knew he didn't have the ability to care for the baby bird. So he scooped it up and he took it to a local farmer. And the farmer said, it's a baby bird, we'll put it in with the chickens. And as the bird grew up with the chickens, he learned to scratch, and he learned to peck, and he learned that he couldn't really fly very far, just a few feet. And as the bird grew, they realized that this was not a chicken. It was an eagle. Yeah. But this eagle was raised with chickens, and it had all the chicken characteristics. Can you imagine this eagle? And it got to be a young eagle. It was bigger than all the other chickens, but chickens don't have mirrors to look at. He thought he was an eagle, a uh, chicken. And he's <coughs> scratching and, 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 and clawing and pecking. Until one day, an owl came by, and an owl landed, and the owl said, you're an eagle. He says, no, I'm not. I'm a chicken. I scratch and I peck and, and I, I can't really fly. And he says, no, my friend, you're an eagle. He says, you are wrong. I'm a chicken. I have a chicken all my life. And the owl said, hop on my back. And the eagle hopped on the owl's back. 
And the owl took him up higher than he'd ever been. And the eagle was terrified because he thought he was a chicken. And as they got higher and higher, the uh, eagle said, put me down, put me down. Chickens don't fly, chickens don't fly. And the owl <laughs> said, just reach out your wings. Just reach out your wings. Open them as wide as you can and feel the wind. And the eagle put out his arms and he began to feel the wind and he saw the sun and the blue sky and the clouds. And uh, it's called the Bernelli principle. That's what makes birds fly. But just by stretching his wings, he began to lift off of the owl's back and he began to flap his wings. And he realized, I'm not a chicken. I'm an eagle. And he flew and he flew and he flew and he never went back to the barnyard. Now, if you search the internet for this story, it's all over, and I, I have sad news for you. There's another version of the story where he insists that the owl takes him back, and he spends the rest of his life as a chicken. The woman who was bent, she's flying. She's praising God. She's healed. She's been seen. She's been called. She's been touched. She's been healed. But we who are still here, we have to ask, have we been unbent? Are we going to fly with her and be an eagle? Are we going to insist that the owl take us back and put us in the barnyard? We are forgotten sometimes whose we are and who we were created to be. Jesus wants to heal your soul. See, we can't see a bent soul. Only Jesus can see a bent soul. He wants to give you life from within. Jesus wants to heal your situations. There are people in our lives, family members, co-workers, neighbors, people that are in clubs to which we belong. And every time we're with them, they remind us how bent and broken we are. Sometimes they take advantage of our bent and brokenness. And Jesus wants to heal us from that. Sometimes Jesus wants us just to come to him with our needs. Sometimes, well, the Apostle Paul said, I, I begged the Lord to remove this thorn in my flesh. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. So during our last hymn, we're going to open the front two pews for anybody who might want to receive prayer. Prayer for your soul, if you've never given your heart to Jesus. And you say, this is the day that I want to be healed. I want to be unbent. I want to soar like that eagle. Pastor Wiki and I and the elders would love the opportunity to pray with you. Or if your situation is such that you feel bent and broken and you need to be encouraged, you need to be comforted, you need to be given wisdom and insight into your situation. Again, the front two pews are open and Pastor Wiki and myself and the elders would love to pray for you. And lastly, if you have a personal supplication, a need that's on your heart, a person, a situation, a challenge in your life, again, the front two pews are open and we would love to pray with you. In fact, Warren, we're singing our last hymn, which is Living for Jesus. We invite you to come forward and we would love to pray with you. Amen.